everybody on tonight's podcast my guest is a multifaceted artist turned social worker his 15 years working with foster youth in the juvenile justice systems are reflected in his arts so tonight we dig deep on talking about hip-hop culture we're going to dig deep on the state of rap right now current events teachers and what they have to deal with in the classroom juvenile detention halls Compton before the crack epidemic. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Gnu Roxwell. Gnu, welcome to the podcast, man. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. So <laughs> do you pay attention to the news at all or no? Uh, like, honestly, no. Okay. Like, do you it's kind of like, like all- when, when people start talking about stuff, then I go back yeah. and check like, oh, wait, what happened? Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. And like all this shit that's going down recently, like the Ohio derailment and something in Texas and Florida and all these fires and UFOs. Are you like staying on top of that or no? Oh, wow. No. (laughs) I will when we get off, though. (laughs) I want to be you. I I, I get lost in Twitter, man. And it's just like, all these news cases are coming out and it just something seems like really, really interesting and off right now. But like the past week, dude, just it's nonstop with these disasters in America. Right. Oh, in yeah. America. I know the, the, the earthquakes in Turkey and all that is kind of crazy. Most of what I'm reading is here in America, like the past 10 days. Just oh, nonstop. I got to tap in. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, mean, I'm, I'm a kid world, man. In. Like, uh, I'm a dad. I got like three little ones at home. Oh, so. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's too much shit for you then. Don't look into it. Forget we even spoke about this, man. No, Just worry about your kids. I what's going on, though. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a separate podcast. When you look into that, you're going to hit me up and be like, what is going on? <laughs> man, yeah. You got me uh, you. On, on high alert right now. <laughs> <laughs> But listen, man, tell me about your story. How you got into music and rap? Oh, man, I mean, you know, just growing up, that was something that just was around me. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like challenging to say um, just because of my my age, you know, I I grew up in the 80s. So (laughs) like hip hop, I was breakdancing and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, damn. So, uh, yeah. Like so, I, I do aerosol art, like I do murals and all that stuff. So I'm I'm kind of like hip hop culture, hip hop, you know, like not just rapping. Okay. I got you. So this was just like embedded where you grew up. Was it, would you say it's in your environment or was it like the parents that, that got you into this or how was it? Your friends? I was definitely my environment. I would say yeah. even as a small kid, like mm-hmm. I have a cousin that's like four years older than me. And he was taping together like cardboard boxes and we would like break dance <laughs> on the front lawn. You know what I mean? Like uh, all the kids in the neighborhood come down the street and we all 
breakdancing and stuff. So it was definitely part of the environment. So are you an artist by nature then? Like, what what do you like more? Do you like making music? Do you like dancing? Is it, Does one capture your heart? Well, definitely not dancing anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's kind of a tug of war between like uh, spray painting. I love spray painting. But uh, then health wise, it ain't always the best. It, it's times I've gone all day like working on a mural and I come home and it's just like death. Like, yeah, oh, that's not the thing I should be doing. But uh, yeah. I would say my favorite thing is probably rapping just because it's something that, you know, I freestyle while I'm driving or like in the shower, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a cool creative process. But um, I started drawing, of course, first, like I was drawing from a small kid. I don't really remember a time when I wasn't drawing. Um, so I think that's my first passion. But then rapping took over in middle school and it's just been that ever since so when you're rapping like what was the like how were your friends reacting to that what were your friends rapping as well so there's like kind of a community within it yeah low-key i can't even lie like i think i was in the eighth grade and my best friend started a rap group with some other friends that we had that was off to the side and it was yeah. kind of a a thing like oh i want to be in a group <laughs> you know what i mean so oh yeah oh, i started yeah. uh started working on my little raps at the time and then he and i used to always like crack jokes like bag on each other so <laughs> it started off with like imitating other rappers but like bagging on each other and then yeah. that moved into kind of battle rapping when yep. you're in high schools especially in the nineties, it was heavy on battle raps. Like we used to have crews and we would go to other high schools and like battle kids Hell at other yeah. schools. Like yeah. it was kind of crazy battling on a bus type thing. Um, so it kind of started off from that, but then I, I branched off and it had its, I had my own relationship with it. So mm -hmm. even once he kind of like, yeah, he wasn't really serious about it and they went off and did their thing. It just stuck with me. I got you. Yeah, that's cool, man. I mean, it's so different. Okay, so tell me a little bit about like where you grew up. Like, what does that the environment look like? Like, where do you live? Where did you grow up like that? And I'm gonna tie it back into rapping. Right. Well, my early years, um, kind of like I was born in Compton. And my first part of my life was uh, in Compton, but this was Compton, like kind of just before crack hit um which okay. is is yeah. kind of crazy because Compton used to really be like a a cool little kind of suburban neighborhood kind of vibe yeah. like it was always like heavily african american but mm -hmm. honestly as a small kid like 5 6 years old we would walk down to the corner store on our own and we knew the store owner and like we walked to the park by ourselves and Right. It was never a worry about gangs or anything like that. But uh, yeah. then when crack hit, the neighborhood, everything just changed. Like That's what did it, huh? It was crack when crack hit the streets, just chaos. Yeah, just because like it used to be, honestly, every day we played ball in the street. Like we played football yeah. in the street, baseball in the street. Mm -hmm. um, and just 
my story, that's my aunt lived in Compton. And so we lived with my aunt at first, but then as my mom and I moved and we honestly moved all around South Central LA, like we moved yeah. every couple of years, but my aunt's house was always kind of like home and I would always go visit my cousins. And it just went from a place of like playing in the neighborhood, playing on the block to then I go back and visit and nobody's on the block, you know? Um, wow. And even, you know, I, I got relatives that got caught up in that world. Yeah. So, and they were older than me. Like my cousin was four years older than me, got caught up in that world. And then, you Damn. know, you go to visit and he's nowhere to be found. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. uh, I don't know. And then the, the park where we played, uh, I played sports for, I played Little League basketball for, um, it came a time where then the gang was like owning the park kind of where like, I would go uh, in the park and I remember I had a Pumas wearing style. So I had these black, blue and black, <laughs> like suede Pumas, but they had like fat blue laces. Yep. Um, and uh, I remember going into the park and it was all bloods, like hanging out in the park. And I had to like hide behind a tree and like take my shoes off and put them in my bag and switch to my wow. cleats so that I didn't get sweated. And this was in elementary school. You know what I mean? Holy so, shit. Yeah. So you're just a little ass kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I they jumped your ass to take those, even if you're like, doesn't matter your age, like six, seven. Yeah, I wasn't putting it past nobody. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I wasn't gonna find out. You know what I mean? Yeah, Just, true. Yeah. As a small kid, like I said, my mom and I moved around from neighborhood to neighborhood a lot. Yeah. And uh, I was on a bus by myself as a small kid, um, and I just saw a lot of stuff like gang fights, like a lot of different stuff so for me i always kept my head on the swivel as a kid just traveling through neighborhoods you know so yeah damn i mean it, it that's a crazy life man i mean it's so easy to get caught up in that cuz a lot of people you know they're looking for a community and if they don't have a family and shit they just fall into that gang life because that, that that acts like your mom and your dad your brother i mean they got your back and i mean it's it's so simple to fall into that shit especially when when like you said crack hits and like shit goes completely sideways yeah i mean just look, it, look to gangs yeah and i mean it's it's different it's a different reason for different people you know what i mean right, like right. Uh, yep. mm -hmm. everybody has a different story um I would say like the drug thing was just a, a product, you know what I mean? It was a commodity. And when you have um, people that's unemployed and can't find work, especially during that time, like the racism thing, um, I mean, you know, racism still exists now, but yeah. it could be, it was more bold back then where like in certain communities, you really couldn't get a job. So right. suddenly there's this product <laughs> that you could sell that's selling like hotcakes and you could make more bread than what your parents is making. So, True. you know, yeah, um, man, you see the dude on the side of the, like the corner, he's got fucking like big ass rings, got a nice car. It's like, right, shit, got, well, why don't yeah. I just do that? And he got all the attention from the ladies, you know, and all the attention from the hell. Yeah. That goes a long way, man. It's like, well, fuck this nine to five. Fuck working for somebody. Right. Make my own money. Yeah. Right. That's wild. So, but, you know, it, the the reason I wanted to bring all this up is because how it's so strange to me that in one environment we're rapping. I mean, 
is like a community and, and people got your back if you're rapping and shit. But like, I have this personal story with rap and, mm. you know, I was in ninth grade and I'm from the suburbs and a white kid. So I'm not supposed to be doing this at all. Right. <laughs> right. I, so you I can rap, do what you want to. <laughs> yeah, you could. But I mean, the harassment I went through, uh. like. Yeah, so it was ninth grade, two thousand two, I think it was. I was a freshman. I took it. I took this shit very seriously, and right. you know, for about three years, and I wrote every single day in a spiral notebook. Right. In school, right. out of school, I was writing. I just loved it so much. But then, guess what? Being white in the suburbs, I got bullied, laughed at, and then like ultimately ostracized. You know, oh, I was I was misunderstood by just about <laughs> everybody that I, right. that I like lived close to or went to school with. And, you know, I like to think of myself as like I was ahead of my time. Mm -hmm. So I, I saw like th this giant wave coming of hip hop, man. I saw this shit coming because in 2002 in the suburbs, like it was all alternative rock. Like that mm. was mainstream. 99% of the kids in the suburbs were listening to alternative rock or, or something other than rap. Mm -hmm. And then there was me. And, you know, I love Bone Thugs, like Tupac, Eminem, 50 Cent, Lloyd Banks. The Roots, right. Nas, Jay-Z, Tech 9 Andre 3000, the list goes on and on and on. Right. Dude, I loved it so much. And, you know, because I can't sing, I can write my emotion out. So that's what right. I got from it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I love having an instrumental. And then you put, you put it on repeat and you try to create words from the notes that you hear. And sometimes those notes sound like words and you just build off of that shit. And it's like <laughs> creative process is so right. invigorating and magical, man. But then I think that's why I'm such a nice person is because I was shit on for so long, you know, and I was, I was misunderstood because I didn't dress the way everyone else dressed around here. Uh, I didn't conform right. to that shit. Right. You know, I liked something. So I did it and people weren't accepting of that. And, you know, people treated me fucking terribly. It was miserable, but That's some of the nicest people out there have had the most horrifying lives, right? Because they don't want people to feel the type of pain they did. Mm. So they figure out like, all right, man, I felt like that. I hated feeling like that. Why would I treat another human being like that? Right. You know? And then you, you fast forward like a few years from 2002 when I was rapping and rap and hip hop goes completely mainstream, dude. Like all the white kids are like into this <laughs> shit now. You know, the same shit that I got made fun of on a daily basis. It is wild. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, the whole globe is uh is rapping now. That's uh, right. Dude, I I saw that wave coming, man. I saw it come. I'm like, because it wasn't playing on the radio at all. And that's crazy. Like, dude, the music I mean, was just. It was, go ahead. No, I'm listening to you. What were you saying? The music was just too good, man. It was too good. Mm. Like this shit was coming so hard. And right. there's no way this wasn't going to take over. There was just absolutely no way. I'm like, I can't be the only one that likes this shit. It's so emotional. The beats go so heavy. Like, there's no way <laughs> that it's not going to take over. And it did. Yeah, I mean, it's even, it's wild for me just hearing your story and hearing you say that. Um, and, and the window being like 2002. Because yeah. me, like, coming from, like, rapping in the 90s and all that, and um, I think my perception by that point is that it was everywhere. So to hear yeah. from you that it wasn't wherever you were yet, yep. it's just crazy to see um, 
you know, the, the wave is, is, uh, it's like a wave, you know, like you, oh. it takes a, it's gradual to reach somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly, man. Yeah. That, that's why it's so fascinating. And I wanted to learn a little bit about where you came from because you said like early nineties, like that's all it was, was just rap. But even in like 2000, 2002 by me, it, mm-hmm. it was like almost non-existent, man. I mean, some people have heard of Tupac just because he was right. like this powerful figure. But as far as like any of the rappers that I named, like, man, there was a, such a, like a handful of people that knew who they were. Right. And it's just crazy to me. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> I mean, I puts the world in perspective, right? Like, uh, uh-huh. I can't recall. I was talking to somebody else, but they were like, that's why you never have a, you never get a big ego, no matter how True. successful you get, True. you never get a big ego because mm-hmm. there's always somewhere on the planet yep. where somebody has no clue who you are. 100%, man. I lo- that's so true. And it's, you know it, it, could mean, be hap- so. it could be happening right now, man. You know, like we don't know what's going on somewhere else. That could just be like this giant tidal wave about to take us out. No idea. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, yeah, it's, def- <laughs> it's definitely... You know, as a culture, you know what I mean? Like yeah, uh-huh. different places, there's some another vibe going on that's a cool vibe that you have no idea about. That's what's so interesting about life, man. <laughs> yeah. I just I just got back from Japan. I went in December mm-hmm. and it was the first time I ever left the United States and it was just mm-hmm. like culture shock, man. Yeah. Just whoa. Yeah. And when you get to them international airports out there is crazy because like international airports out there you see the world yeah like, you really see the world you land uh-huh. in like london or something and yeah. there's representation of all these other countries and you're just like yeah Whoa, it don't look like yeah. that out here yeah there's just too much to life man like I, I just had this like epiphany or some shit i don't know what it was but i'm like I think it's because of this podcast, actually, I started a few years ago and just talking to so many different people Mm. and they all have, they all come from different walks of life. And I'm just like, man, I live in this, this like little area by Chicago and this is like pretty much all I know, but there's so much more life out there. Like, it's not all like this. You have to go expand your mind and take a chance, man. Go travel. I tell everyone to go travel because- there's just too much out there. You're going to yeah, miss something. Yeah, it gives you a, a lot more perspective. And honestly, it addresses... Um, it, we, we all have prejudice, right? Like, that's, that's a natural yeah, yeah. part yeah. of life. Because uh, our brains, we want to fill in the gaps of uh, what we don't know, you know? Yeah. Um, but if you, you don't have real experience for yourself... All you have to go off of are like the stereotypes that you've heard from some media source of some story or something like that. And in my experience, yeah, nothing is the way that uh, the media source said or my friend said or my family said. I've had so many experiences in my life where. I believed one thing before I got there and mm-hmm. it was totally different once I got there. No, Even right, from man. the point of me working in social work, you know, I, I was, I moved into spoken word and being a poet 
um, from like hip hop or whatever. And on the spoken word scene is a lot of know-it-all. You know, we get on stage and we critique all of society and what's wrong yep. with society and, and, you know, what's wrong with the system. And we just talk about everything that we actually really don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. And I would say I was one of those uh, artists because, like I said, we fill in the gaps, right? We just hear stories about what's going on in the school system and we hear people in the community complaining about dealing with the system or dealing with the school system. Yeah. And so we just jump on board with the complaints and like the preconceived notions about life. Yep. Um, but then I so happened to art took me into working with um, incarcerated youth and in after school programs. And that moved me into the direction of working for a children's law center, which is a, a law firm that represents all of the foster youth in Southern California. I started working for them and got behind the veil that most of society doesn't see about the foster yep. care system. And yeah. that really opened my eyes to actually what is going on in the system, like what what the real story is, you know? Yeah. And the same yeah. thing with becoming a teacher. Once I became a teacher, it changed my lens or my perspective of the school system. Even though I, I have kids and they were all in school. Once I became a teacher and sat in the classroom, dealing with the kids, dealing with the parents, dealing with administration, yeah. my perspective changed. Yeah. And then there's this respect factor comes in like a giant respect factor. Like you don't know everything that is involved in these operations. Like you right. see it from so far away. But once you're like in their boots and you're on the ground doing it, like it's easy to overmine, like even the smallest things that will have a giant impact in someone's life. It's easy to overmine right. that. Right. I, I want to touch base more on this, uh, on the system and like the, the juvenile halls that you went to. Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm cause you're in Illinois. <laughs> it's like, yeah. uh, so like, um, juvenile hall is basically like kid jail. Um, okay. So, um, I know different states are different. I, I don't really know how it is there, but mm -hmm. um, in California, you know, they have the jails for the adults and then they have juvenile halls, which is basically jail, which is like filled with a lot of teenagers. Um, okay. Usually it's kind of, it's supposed to be a temporary situation. Like if they get arrested or something, they go to juvenile hall from there, they're supposed to excuse me, either they go home or they uh, get placed in a group home or something like that. They're, um, it's not supposed to be a long-term situation, although there mm -hmm. are youth who end up in there for like a year, depending on what the situation is. It's not that they've been sentenced to juvenile hall, but uh, it could be that they often run away when they get placed in group homes or um, it just depends on their situation and the details of it. But, uh, and then they have camps, which is, you can kind of get sentenced to camp, which I don't know, I would equate it to almost like children's penitentiary or something like, I don't know. But, uh, is there an age range on these? 
Um, usually the youngest youth that I've worked with that was in the halls, it was like 12, almost 13. Um, okay. once you turn 18, you're going to County, like you're, that's, you're an adult at that point. Although sometimes it may be a 17 year old who turned 18 and it's still going to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have some of those situations where it might be an 18 year old in in mm-hmm. the halls or in camp but uh usually once you turn 18 you end up you know in county jail if you're still doing whatever um yeah. which is a major situation with the kids that i was working with because i was working with a uh, youth who are on probation and they will often like go back and forth into the halls right like just getting in trouble and after their first couple of times at, in the halls the fear is gone. Like when they're the first time they're scared, like ah, what is it going to be I like, it's like going to jail. But after yeah. they've been a couple of times, yeah, sadly I've heard kids tell me like, it's like second home type thing. Oh so, man. Um, but then I try to tell them like, bro, you're about to turn 18. Yeah. And when you get arrested, it's not going to be the halls anymore. It's going to be County, which is way different. And uh, unfortunately I had a couple of kids like, Right when they turned 18, like that week, <laughs> did something, got arrested and, and end up in county. And I visit, visit them there and it's a completely different story, you know? So what types of freedoms are in the juvenile? What do you mean freedoms? Like, like uh, in comparison to, you know, the adult prison, because it, it seems like it's a different story when you go from the juvenile to the adult prison. So is there like a, a more leniency take to, in these juveniles? Well, yeah, I would, I would definitely, um, even though I'm not that familiar with the uh, adult system, just I've never been to jail and I never planned to go. Yeah, well, that's um, good. Yeah. <laughs> but even like visiting a couple of kids that I did, it's yeah, it was way harder, first of yeah. all, for me to visit. Um, and second of all, you just got to think about it for a second, like adult jail, there's no age limit. Like there's 40 yeah. year old men in jail who are like, that could be in the for murder criminals. Yeah. Yeah. Like for real yeah. murders. And there's yeah. kids, the kid that the first kid that I had to deal with when he turned 18, he went to County for graffiti. Oh, like he, shit. him yeah. and his homeboy was hanging out. The day after he turned 18, in the alley, doing graffiti, he got caught, ended up going to county jail. You're an 18-year-old kid yeah, in jail for graffiti with, Man. like, a 35-year-old killer. That's not, yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. You know what I mean? Like, that's not yeah. that in itself. Like, big buff dudes that just spend all day working out in the yard. And you some frail kid that should be in somebody's high school. Like that's yeah. It's a bad look. Yeah. Man, that's not good. So how many how many kids are in juvenile? Like, is there like a, a statistic that you can spit out that's like alarming or what? I mean, honestly, off the top of my head, I like I don't really keep up with the statistics like that. I know that uh the numbers have been decreasing like that's the the word around is that the numbers have been decreasing uh we had three juvenile halls um in la 
I know maybe three, four years ago, one of them closed down. Um, and the other two, they're talking about uh, Central Juvenile Hall closing. So um, they're really working, honestly, towards um, trying to like close down the halls and just change the whole juvenile justice system. They want to move yeah. away from this punitive thing and try to move in a more like therapeutic way. Like there's a lot of movement towards that. But um, honestly, it's a tricky situation with the way society is nowadays because there's so much like there's way less respect. The mm. the youth of today have way less respect than uh say when I was growing up. The That's way what I've been hearing, man. Like adults. I got some family that are teachers, and my ex wife's a teacher as well. Yeah, man. They, they say the same thing, man. Like the the kids nowadays are just it's it's so hard because they're so disrespectful and they have yeah. Like you can't well, touch them. They're untouchable. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And that's the thing. Like I moved into teaching for a little while, just trying to um, step away from the social work thing. I was doing that for like yeah. 15 years. And, and honestly, uh, I don't know, it's just emotionally taxing. So mm-hmm. I moved in to teaching thinking that uh, it would be like a step back. I would still be working in a community, but that it wouldn't be so like a, emotionally taxing just because you know i was working with youth on probation and youth in foster care with all this different stuff going on but when i moved into teaching it was actually more stressful <laughs> like uh <laughs> just man the stuff i would deal with on a daily basis um yeah. and you know honestly it wasn't really so much my students had a level of respect for me just because I'm pretty good at building rapport with them. Like yeah, the yeah. whole like hip hop thing and all of that. Um, you know, once they found out I rap, it, it just turned into a whole different thing. But I would deal with like kids coming and trying to hang out in my classroom to like try oh, to man. hang out with their homies. And I'm yeah. like, bro, you can't come kick it in my class. <laughs> like, I don't know what y'all think this is, but I'm not big bro. Like I'm the, I'm the teacher. Like, so like yeah daily i would have to deal with like kicking kids out the classroom i've broken up so many fights um on the school campus it just was a regular culture at the school for kids to walk the halls and go hang out in classrooms that's not their classroom and when i was a kid that wasn't that wasn't a thing you know this is new uh, i had one student he was like a, a ex student of mine, and there was a, a substitute teacher, uh, elderly lady. She was like in her sixties. Um, they tried to hang out in her classroom, so she's trying to force the kid to get out of the classroom. It's him and, and like four other kids. She's like, "Y'all can't be in here. This isn't your class." She's trying to force them out of the class. Um, his arm got closed into the door. So he pushes the door open and punches the lady in her face to where she, like where she falls out. And the Whoa. other kids are filming it on their phones. Oh, and the, the video ended up on Worldstar. Come on, man. It's like I mean, it's bad enough to get punched in the face, but then you got it recorded and it's all over these main media sites. Come on. Exactly. Man. And my thing is, it's you know, it's it's already horrible. That, and this kid is a big kid. He's like six yeah. something. He's like a football player. That's like a, a grown tight ass end. man. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's already bad enough that you just yeah. punched the elderly lady, bro. But then the other kids like filming it, like y'all, y'all cool with that? Like it's entertainment right. to y'all. And yeah. then to an adult standpoint, because we know it's a bunch of adults running World Star, and True. for the clicks and the likes, yep. y'all post that on your website. Like, hey, look, this is troubling where our society is right now. I agree, man. There's a lot of uh, desensitized people. It seems like, like yeah. one person's misery or unfortune is another's entertainment. Yeah, in the worst way. In the worst way. Yeah, I think we got lucky because we didn't grow up with social media, man. I can't even ima- <laughs> right. I can't even imagine what the kids are going through, like constantly yeah. connected to that. Goddamn That's thing. the hard part about teaching too, man. Honestly, was that uh kids were constantly trying to sneak and be on their phone, trying to do TikToks in the middle of class when you're teaching a lesson. Like it was so many kids where I had to like take their phones, and it's just every kid has a phone. Like yeah. the kids would orchestrate fights on their phones. So like teachers Whoa. wouldn't even know. The yeah. kids would ask, can they go to the bathroom? And all of a sudden, there's kids like all running out of the classrooms onto the field. And the, the staff is all panicking, like, what the hell is going on? You know it's what I mean? Pay-per-view, man. Yeah, it's a pay-per-view yeah. ticket. <laughs> like, and that, that's wild. There's even situations where the kids fake a fight on one side of the school so the real fight can happen on the other side of the school. Holy so all the staff shit, run man. to the fake fight. What? And then, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's wild. It's wild, wow. bro. I mean, That's why there's can... a crisis of yeah. there's a teacher shortage right now. They don't even have enough teachers to be subs because nobody yeah. wants to deal with this. They don't make enough either, man. Not even close to making enough, man. man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they been weren't making enough. Honestly, when I moved into teaching, it was like a $20,000 pay cut. But <laughs> yeah, it's like you're not really going at it for the money right but then it just come a point to where that's not even enough it's like i'm not even making babysitting pretty much man it's not even teaching anymore it seems like i felt like a probation officer and and i was honestly man like because so probation officers work in the juvenile halls right like the probation um and that's what it felt like it was like i was constantly policing kids trying to take their phones or get them off of their phones and like stopping fights and man and they would come to me and and just talk to me about like the wildest things and relationship drama and it just didn't feel like teaching at all (laughs) i don't know what it felt like but it didn't feel like i was a teacher so how long were you teaching for i only did it a year i went into my second year and it was just felt like, man, this is not, I have to have a bigger impact than this. I, I have to do, that's kind of what brought me back to uh, rapping is yeah. because even hearing the music that the kids were listening to, <laughs> it's just nothing but negativity, just negativity, negativity. Um, and I perceived that the youth wouldn't even connect with my music. So that's kind of, I had left it alone, but then- once they found out that I rap and they started 
like seeing my videos on YouTube, then they started coming to me like, yo, like we fuck with you. Like, you know, they like the music. So then I I didn't feel so out of touch with the youth anymore. And I was like, man, like they need some kind of alternative. For sure. What they're listening to is not it, bro. Like it's destroying our society. Um, What do you think the change was? Because I noticed it too, man. I don't like when was this change in music? I mean, it was a gradual thing, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I got my own kind of philosophies about the, the thing, really. Um, like I said, I'm a hip-hop culture dude, right? So yeah. in all honesty, I never fully pursued hip-hop as like rapping as a business because I was all about the culture. So I'm painting and yeah. you know, yeah. I'm rapping and making beats and doing gotcha. shows yep. and stuff. Break dancing, but yeah, it's 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 kind of like just what I do. I'm and I'm in a community like building with the kids and you know spray painting with the kids. But then yeah. you have the dude who's the hustler that's trying to rap and he's about his business because he's mm. you know he's chasing the bag. So I yeah. feel like in hip hop, what happened is the the kind of character that chases the bag and is looking to get his money moves to the forefront and becomes successful because he's focused on the business of selling his music like his drugs. Whereas the people who are about the culture and all that, we're all trying to start after school programs and we're in the parks teaching kids how to make beats and building studios. So, you know, what do you get? You get um, a genre that's full of the hustlers are all on the top. And they're not going to police no. the culture and the music because whatever makes money is what they're going to do, you know? So you got people who were drug dealers who now yeah. are selling you negativity through music because it's what the public is going to buy. The same way that it was drug addicts buying the drugs, the public is buying the trap music and drill music. And as long as the public buy it, they're going to sell it. And all they care about is making a money. So, you know, that's what it is. I was going to ask you, man. I, I wrote it down. I was like, have you ever heard of drill rap? <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> that shit's wild, man. The drill rap, especially out here in Chicago. Like, they're, yeah. they just like, man, just killing like you wouldn't fucking believe, man. Yeah, non stop. It's like, I don't know what it is. If, if it, Are you rapping or are you like like just trying to kill people it's like intertwined almost man it's 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 so it's so toxic it's so toxic and the sad thing is you know like i had students in my classroom and they rap especially once they found out that i rap then it becomes the thing to do right like they want to come to me in between classes and like trade bars and stuff like that and i don't i don't um censor Kids, like if you rapping to me, I'm not trying to censor. Like you can't curse and all that. I want right, to hear right, what right. you got. Yeah. So you know they safe cool. to say whatever. And these little kids that I know they're not about that life are oh, all trying to rap shit. like what they hear. Oh, and man. all it is is it's influence, right? Like yeah. sadly, this younger generation, in my experience, the the youth that I've dealt with. Their perception is that in order to be a rapper, you have to talk about 
um, you know, selling drugs, shooting people and disrespecting women. They think that that is a part of rapping because it's yeah. so dang like dominant in the music. Yeah, and it's really wild. sad because that is sad. I, I know when you started rapping that that's like obviously like that wasn't a part of Outcast. I mean, that, like Andre Three Thousand, that was not a part yeah. of Andre Three Thousand. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it definitely yeah, wasn't man. a part of Tribe Called Quest. Like, yeah, man. yeah, it wasn't it's... a part of the Roots. <laughs> you know no, what I mean? No, hell no, no. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. So, how do we come back from that? Do you see it coming back? To where it was, like hip hop I mean, culture. I I don't know, bro. I don't know. It it's so much money involved, and honestly, this younger generation going back to the respect thing, like they don't mm. even have the respect to. When we like complain about that stuff or speak out about it, they just look at it like, oh, old school. Like you, you just yeah, behind the times. You just can't keep yeah. up. It's uh-huh. like, bro, I will wrap circles around you, literally, <laughs> like. <laughs> but you know, you can believe what you want to, but yeah, so I don't I don't know. I mean it's not even the same standards. Like if you listen to Eminem and then yeah. like you listen to these mumble rappers, like dudes be offbeat nowadays, like no pockets, <laughs> like whatever, and people buy it. Dude, they got millions and millions of views and shit, and you're we're just like holding our heads like what the yeah. what happens? How is this like even the- possible? The whole standard of rapping good is like, I don't, that's why to me, trap and drill, I don't even consider it hip hop because it don't even, it's not even the same standards. It don't represent the same energy at all. They don't even respect the different elements of hip hop, like um, the breakdancing, the aerosol art and all, like none of that is part of it. It's its own it's legit murder rap, like legitimately murder rap. Yeah, I mean, and and you have way too many trap fans who don't mess with hip hop, like the kind of hip hop that we're talking about. They don't yeah. listen to no Tribe Called Quest or nothing no. like that. That stuff is corny to them. And then you got too many people that are like hip hop fans that think trap is horrible. So how can it be? the same thing if the fan base is so different you know it's just media lumps it in together like the gatekeepers lump it in together but it's really two different things it's so tough to wrap my head around man because it's like it's like two different planets right yeah 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 two different two different beings Oh, and I mean, you also have the rappers at the top of the food chain aren't yeah. going to denounce trap because it's about their money, right? Like they're more so going to try to figure out, okay, how can I work with these young dudes? Because right now, the focus of the youth is on the trap rappers. So maybe I should do a record with the trap rapper. They're not going to say, "Oh, I got oh, you." Yeah. Yeah. Pop. They're going to yeah. say, "Oh, all right, bro. So let's." You know, let let me get on the trap beat because, like I said before, the hustler, the person that's chasing the bag, they're the ones that move to the forefront. And the ones that like was trying to hold the culture down, KRS-One, 
he, you know, he's still somewhere trying to teach a lecture somewhere, <laughs> holding the culture down. <laughs> so it's, you know, it is you know, what it is. Like, you know, who Blueface is? Yeah. Do you like him? No. Okay. All right. Um, I don't want to no, offend him. <laughs> yeah. When I first heard that, that was like the turning point for me when I first heard him a couple years ago. And right. I was like, bro, this, this guy is not even rapping on beat at all, at all. Yeah, and, I don't and, get like that. everyone's like, this is this just fire as fuck. Like this is amazing, and I was, I was just like, we're <laughs> right. we're lost. We are right. fucking lost right, right now. Right, right, right. And I think I think it is some trap rappers who could actually rap. Like I'm I'm not saying like every trap rapper, um, is not talented because they're you know I've heard some stuff where I'm like, oh, dude could actually spit. But for me, it's like the content where I just you know I, I can't jive with the content. Um, and so, you know, it is what it like they can have their own space and, you know, it's, it's space for everybody. So trap being a genre, if it's going to be a genre, you know, it, it has its own fan base. Just don't whatever. lump it all in. I feel like don't lump it all in because then what happens is like me as an artist, I'm trying to submit my music to different playlists on Spotify, but the playlist is called hip hop. But actually, the curator of the playlist is a trap fan. They're not really a hip hop fan. So, like, you've gotten rid of the hip hop genre, honestly, mm -hmm. like because you got it labeled under this other thing. That's the the thing that's popping for the youth. Like, trap is way more popular than you know what we got to call boom bap now. Like, honestly, real hip hop is back in the underground now like for real for real what do you listen to right now are you like do you just listen back to like the the og shit like me like i don't even fuck around with the new music at all i just listen man to i got a, like I'm i got a playlist for you 90s bro i got a playlist for you i created a playlist and it, right. it's a mixture it's a mixture of um newer hip-hop that uh is still hip-hop that still got that vibe like it's this yeah. uh, dude coded a friend or it's it's a few different people that I've like found and discovered. Um, okay. And so it's a mixture of that with that other stuff that you're talking about, like with the right. outcasts and the roots. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so I'm kind of like trying to bridge the gap because there is still hip hop being made, but nobody knows, like nobody knows where it is. And these, these people that these rappers have a large fan base but, you know, you can have a million fans and in the world, there's billions of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Hell yeah. I'm scared, um, man. I'm scared to, to go into new waters just because of all the shit I've heard of new rappers, man. I'm scared to do it. So listen, my playlist <laughs> on Spotify is called The Lunch Table. So The Lunch Table. All right. The yeah. Lunch Table. I remember. That's where we all used to meet at in high school <laughs> to spit. Um, so yeah, like go on, follow the lunch table on Spotify, the playlist. Um, and I, I try to like freshen it up every week with, you know, I try to have a nice blend and a nice mix. Cause honestly it's what I like to listen to. Like, um, cause I don't want to be somebody that's so out of touch. Like all I listen to is, is early two thousands and nineties hip hop. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. especially when. I found that there's still people making dope music. Um, 
Yeah, it's not you fair did. to them, man. There's still some talented artists out there, and just to not give them a shot. I feel bad not right. doing it, but I mean, it's there's just so much shit out there. There's so it's much. Like, where where there. do you find it though? I, yeah, because exactly, when you go on Spotify or when you go on Apple Music or Amazon Music and you look up hip hop, yeah, it's trap that comes up. It's drill that comes up. Like it's not what we perceive hip hop to be. So just it makes you feel day. like. It, yeah, it makes you feel like it's not being created anymore, but yeah. it actually is still out there. Like it just that's has to, to be, it just has to be dug for. So that's why I created this playlist. Oh man, excuse me. That's why I created this playlist so that I can. Um, I'm really trying to cr- create a community where people can know, like, okay, that's that's where to get it. Because right now, as far as I can see, we don't know where to get it. We feel like we're all alone. It's like. X-Men, you're like a, a mutant who lives in some <laughs> small town, Kansas, thinking you're t- the only mutant. <laughs> yeah, I got a yeah. tail and shit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's cool. Lunch table. Yeah, I'll check it out and let you know. I want to uh I want to ask your opinion on this. It's kind of sensitive, but I feel like mm. you're cool. <laughs> so I could ask you. <laughs> and th- there's something to go along with this though. There's a whole story that I'm going to I'm going to share with you uh that was recently in the news a couple months ago, but how do you feel about white kids singing lyrics and then using the n-word? Man, like I mean, of course I'm not going to say like I'm cool with it. <laughs> like of course, yeah. I think the responsibility falls back on the hip hop community. Like Honestly, if you listen to any of my songs, you're not going to hear me saying the N-word. I got you. I have one song, but the song is titled that, like, there's a specific reason why I'm using the word. Yeah. Other than that, I'm not using that word because we have to take responsibility. We have to understand influence. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm recording a song and I'm selling it. To yep. whoever on the planet will buy it. This is the most mature take I've ever fucking heard in my life on this. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, man, straight up. <laughs> I mean, and, and, if you just think about it, though, logically, when you yeah, create a song, you're, right. you're selling it all over the yep. planet for mm-hmm. anyone in any corner of the world to buy it. And what do yeah. you want to do? You hope that the person will become a fan and sing your lyrics. Yep. So if your lyrics are saying something that you don't want them to say, you probably shouldn't say it. Whew. That's, well that's said, all I'm man. saying. No, as well said. That's perfectly said. I, it makes so much sense. Um, you know uh, that Mo Bamba song? Mo Bamba song. Mo Bamba. There's like a there's like a huge I don't know, most of his fans are white kids, and there's this huge like chance in it, and like the chorus is the n-word and oh, i wow. forgot how it goes but like everyone starts chanting it this isn't the story but i'm just saying like right you know he knows who his fan base is majority are white kids and you got this huge chorus that comes up and shouts yeah. the n-word and i mean like everyone says it so it's just kind of it's kind of wild wild bro because it, yeah. it's so triggering it's yeah. so triggering and honestly as an artist I don't have no judgment on that dude. I don't know that dude or whatever. Yeah. But for me, it feels irresponsible in the sense that, I don't know, when when I write, I, I try to look at uh, as many perspectives as I can, right? And 
I know that even if I'm cool with it as an individual person, I know that my community is not yeah. cool with it. So 100%. why am I even going to set that up to mm-hmm. want this whole stadium yep. full of white kids saying that when I know it my community, seeing it, man. <laughs> yeah, like that's, it's irresponsible, bro. And then when it happens, when the yeah. fire yeah. starts, mm-hmm. then you want to like toss the blame somewhere else and not, you know, take accountability and responsibility f- you know, for what and, you've created. So and that's what happens, man. On on uh, Instagram, like this, this was recorded and was posted on Instagram. And then under all the comments, you got like so many people just so uh, pissed off. Wild, like, yo, you shouldn't be saying that shit. Like, don't it sing that wild. part of the song. It's just like, it, it's a recipe for disaster. And to go to what you are saying, it's the responsibility of the artist. Like, you know yeah. who your yeah. crowd is. You know what song you are singing. Yeah. What do you think's gonna happen, man? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I can't even say the people on Instagram are wrong because they feel how it's triggering. You know yeah. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you don't want to hear it, it's triggering. Yeah. Um, but like you're saying, like the responsibility lies in a person that set the stage up for that. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. But they're not going to take response. The last thing Hell people no. do in society Hell. is own they shit. Like, <laughs> Accountability is a real issue nowadays, man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Especially nowadays. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like for real, for real. <laughs> but listen, this story that I was referring to. So there was this kid. Maybe you heard of it. Maybe you didn't. There was this kid and he's, he's like a, a very high rated high school quarterback. I think mm-hmm. he, he might have been like top three, maybe even number one. I'll have to look it up after this. I know he was really high rated. And he was he was on tape singing lyrics to his song, and it uses the N-word quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And it got uploaded to social media. He had a full ride going to, I think, was the University of Florida. But, you know, they eradicated that, you know, because right. they saw the tape and he lost yeah. his scholarship. He had a yeah. full scholarship and lost it. And... You know, the way I looked at it, I looked at it so many different ways, right? Because the first time I came across it, it was just a headline and it was described just the way I uh, I mentioned it, you know, right. like wh- white quarterback caught saying the N word on tape. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, one of his friends that he wasn't aware of, maybe he was at a party and he was just singing it and the lyrics came out and he was just, you know, repeating it. But mm. No, man, turns out that this kid played this song on his radio and held his phone to his face and was like rapping to the, to the screen, you know, recording it. I'm like, I can't, I can't back that up at all, man. That's self-inflicted. Right. You know, you know who you are being a top rated quarterback. You know, what kind of like, what kind of attention this is going to get. It's not going to get good attention at all. Why would you think that? that. It it was a cockiness in that and low key. It was meant so he took the place of the rapper at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He thought it was fun to he like. He did. Mm-hmm. Some people, you've seen videos where the person is like sticking their arm into the cage where the lion is or throwing shit at the the lion yeah. because they think it's funny. Like the lion is caged up. Like, fuck yeah. you gonna do? And then all of a sudden the lion bites the arm and they can't get their arm back. Yep. That's kind of what happened. 
Like, that's exactly what happened. You're right. Yeah. And then he got his scholarship and he like threw this huge hissy fit. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, he made an apology video, of course, because he's probably told right. to, you know, right. you know, he didn't want to write an apology video. Right. He's right. just trying to trying to make it better for him so he can get into colleges to play quarterback. But I mean, this goes back to like social media, man. People are just yeah. self-inflicting after self-inflicting, dude. For what? For affirmation? For like for, for likes, likes from people you don't fucking know? For attention, bro. Like attention. attention, attention is a high commodity. Like it's 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 a, it's a currency. I was gonna say, yeah, it's almost like. But this kid had it made, man. He was a a that sh- he's just a dumbass, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really though, really though. But he's that's a, when you know he got full of himself. Yeah, he got full of himself. And yeah. people, you know, they think they untouchable. They get so full of themselves, like they're <sighs> yeah. yeah that, that's sad. wild, man. Oh shit, man. It's, uh, it's been an hour. What do you say we wrap this thing up, bro? <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate you being here, man. Thank you so you you're a wealth of knowledge, my man. You're a good speaker, oh, wealth thanks. of knowledge. I appreciate you. Keep making music, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up the launch table. Um for all the listeners out there, uh, Ganu, why don't you go ahead and let them know what your social media is and how they can find you? Oh, yeah. So you can find me um, on Instagram or, or Facebook. It's kind of where I am mostly. TikTok also, but not as much. And it's Ganu, G-A-K-N-E-W. Also, my website is Ganu.com. Um, yeah. And follow me on uh, on Spotify. Yeah. All right. Gnu, appreciate you, man. It's been real. Thank you so Thanks, much, bro. bro. I appreciate you so much. For sure. Thank you, man. All right. You take it easy, man. All right. Peace. All right. Everyone at home, peace out.